Welcome back to 518 Woods and Water. I'm the host, Adam South, and we have a great episode today. Um, today is Sunday, March 15th. Uh, man, things are a little crazy out there. This COVID-19 is, you know, playing havoc with, with our communities. So um, just be mindful, you know, control what you can control. Don't stress on any one thing, any one singular thing. If you're a family of five and you're in your house, you, you can still go outside. There were, you know, it's not like we're trapped in our houses. We can still go outside. We can go out and walk around our yards and go into the woods and, and do things. If you're a family of five, you're exposed to those five people anyway. Uh, and I plan, um, I did find out that our kids' school is shut down for two weeks. And we are making, we're going to make the best of this. Um, you know, as a parent, am I, am I a little nervous? Absolutely. Rightly so. Um, but in the big scheme of things, uh, by no means am I locking my door and staying inside my house for these whole two weeks. Um, I'm a school teacher. I, I know we are closed down um, starting on Wednesday. And, you know, I, I'm going to go look for fresh air things to do. Um, getting the fishing stuff uh, uh, out. The lakes have opened up, uh, many of them around here in Rensselaer County. And I'm going to go, you know, wet a line with my kids. And, and, you know, one thing is try to keep their mind off of, you know, the weirdness of this. Um, it's something none of us I, uh, have ever lived through. Um, we could make uh, connections to other, you know, major events in, in our lives that this kind of feels like. But in the end of it, that's a coffee maker beeping in the background. Um, at the end of the day, we just need to relax a little bit you know, one day at a time. And, uh, if you're feeling real stressed out, you know, reach out to somebody, have a conversation. We have lots of technology out there. You can Skype, you can FaceTime and, and reach out and have that person to talk to. Okay. And uh, again, if you have kids, get them outdoors, take them and do something, go for a walk, uh, go to a, a open air, you know, don't go to, I'm not saying go to a playground where, you know, but I'm saying go find things to do where it's just you and your family. And uh, I think that's the best thing you can do. And that's what my plan is right now. Um, a little cold for kayaking, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Uh, on today's episode, you're going to hear an interview with Christopher Williams. He is a Master Forest Owner uh, or the director of the Master Forest Owner Program, also known as the MFO, through Cornell Cooperative Extension. And what he did is he came to the property of our Fish and Game Club, club uh, and we have 35 acres. We walked around. He pointed out the species that we could tell with, you know, not having leaves on the tree. And, you know, um, for the most part, the leaves on the ground with what he could tell from the bark of that tree. And, and that's a real skill set in itself. Um, sawtooth aspen or big tooth aspen. I got to Google that one again, see what it was. Uh, but listening to the, you know, uh, the way the trees are arranged. Um, and then also he pointed out the invasive species, 
which that's his day job, is a in, invasive species coordinator for, um, he's got a contract with DEC through Cornell, and he, he oversees these projects, and it's pretty, pretty neat. He pointed out the invasive species on our property and uh, gave us some, some action tips that we can do to start mitigating those invasives. So enjoy the show. We are still looking for a sponsor. And through sponsorship, what that's going to do is help us buy a piece of equipment that will make our show more portable, faster to produce, and easier to produce. And if you have an idea for a segment or want to be on the show, reach out, let me know. Have a great day, guys. Welcome to the 518 Woods and Water Podcast, where each week we will have interesting conversations about all things woods and water. Welcome back to 518 Woods and Water. Uh, today on the show, we have a special guest, uh, Christopher Williams. Uh, Christopher, uh, just kind of introduce what the many hats you wear. Yeah, thank you, Adam, for having me today. Um, first, I am from the Cornell Cooperative Extension of Saratoga County. I am the Invasive Species Coordinator for the Capital Region. I oversee 3 million acres through a state contract with the DEC of New York State. Um, another role I play for the cooperative extension is I'm also one of the master forest uh, volunteers, owners for the, for the region, and um, I'm here today to kind of share some information on what we have to offer for people in the community. So today we, we, uh, we took a walk around the, the property here at our uh, sportsman's club, and um, you know we're looking to manage some things, and uh, another member pointed out the, the Cornell Cooperative Extension Master Forest Owners Program. So um, Christopher came up today. Uh, walk us through what is the Master Forest Owners Program. All right. So some people might be familiar with the Cornell University's Master Gardeners Program. Um, there's a couple other similar programs like that. One of them is the Master Naturalist Program, which I highly recommend checking out. Um, but there's also the Master Forest Owners Volunteer Program. Um, in the early 90s, uh, Gary Goff, one of the origin, original founding fathers uh, of the program, saw a need for local or private landowners, woodlot owners, um, needed assistance in making good, informed decisions on how to manage their forest. And so Gary, through the program with the university, created a network of master forest owner volunteers. And what it is, is Basically, there's about 140 active volunteers across New York State today. Um, they do go through a training program for about four or five days uh, to become a master forester. And then we have what are refresh courses that we uh, attend uh, every year on top of that. And master forest owner volunteers may not be um, certified foresters with mm -hmm. a degree, but they are people such as yourself that own property, own woodlots, or manage woodlots, and have acquired a wealth of knowledge and are intrinsically self-motivated and self-taught. Mm -hmm. um, although a lot of them do have forestry 
backgrounds or ecology type backgrounds? So we reached out to you to, cause we are a sportsman's club. We are, you know, conservationists at heart. And we reached out to you to see if we could um, manage our forests better, not for monetary gain, but as I said before, you know, maybe to get some resources in here to let our forests help the, the, the wildlife and create good functional habitat. So take us through our kind of our walk today. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Um, a couple of things. One of the concerns with the forest in New York state is 70% of the forested area is owned by private landowners. Mm -hmm. And because of that fragmentation, it becomes difficult to manage healthy forest for the future. And that's the number one goal here is to share those resources. So folks such as yourself will approach a master forest owner and there's kind of like four categories they look at. Um, they want to sell timber mm -hmm. and they would like to know more about that timber process and what a contract looks like. What is, what is their lumber worth? Uh, what type of trees do they have? And then we have folks that look for, they want easements or they want to pass on their legacy to their next generation. And then such as yourself, there are also people that are looking to increase wildlife habitat or the biodiversity of their forest. Um, so we came out today or I came out today mm -hmm. to visit you and to talk about some of those basic things. And one of the first things that we do is we try to get the woodlot owner to focus on their goals and objectives of their property. Mm -hmm. So they clearly know what they want to do with their property. And it's not what we want them to do. Right. It's what they want to do. And then to ask those hard questions and to provide those resources. So you'd recommend it to go back to our, our board and discuss the, the goals and, and what we want to come out of going into this, go moving forward. Um, now you talk about healthy, uh, a healthy forest. Can you give me a real quick, what, like, what is a healthy forest and what is an unhealthy forest? Okay, so the majority of forest in New York State are roughly an even class aged forest. Uh, the trees, the majority of the trees in New York State are hitting basically about the same age throughout the state. There is bad management in the turn of the century. Um, and we look at some forest and, and roughly they're either overstocked, they have too many trees, there's too much competition, or there's some trees that are in decline. And in and with the deer problem and the overgrazing, we're not seeing the regeneration. So we come in and we look at their forest and what's there. And we point out areas that may not be healthy mm -hmm. and areas that might be healthy or how you can promote a healthier forest or right. increasing the biodiversity is what we like to say. Right. And then today you, you pointed out, you also pointed out some of the invasives that were in the, in, on the forest floor. You know, mostly I think everything was really just stuff that replaced ground cover um, and then some other um, vining uh, invasives and gave, gave us some recommendations to manage them and, and how we go about that. Um, so when we're 35 acres, what's the smallest property that you could come to uh, get into the Master Forest Owners Program? Um, so there isn't really a size requirement um, but to be honest with you, most of the time it's greater than 10 acres. Okay. It is hard to manage small lots, mm -hmm. especially like in suburb, but there's still recommendations even at that level, getting people to stop using fertilizers and pesticides 
and actually planting more shrubs, native flowers and trees mm -hmm. to help look at the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. um, you still can do something on a small acre and you look at what your neighbors are doing or what you have in your backyard or what's boring your property. But typically I am seeing over 10 acres. 10 uh, acres. I do visitations um, up in Washington County. Typically there are two to 300 acres in size. Okay. On average, I'd say around 30 acres is, the, is kind of like the normal that okay. I get in this region. All right. Because yeah. 35 acres, we didn't know where we, we really fit in. Uh, so um, you gave some, some techniques um, and some things that we can kind of do as a club to help some over over uh, or overgrown areas, some high too much de uh, tree density, um, and then you gave us some tools like putting um, the the sleeves around the trees, the saplings or the yearlings to let them grow, um, and gave us some management techniques. What are some other things uh, that are beneficial to um, that woodlot? Yeah, so one of the things. Um, that we look at biodiversity is you want um, diversity in the age of the trees. So we like to see areas that have natural like wind throw, beaver damage, clearings that happen over time where you get younger trees growing in surrounded by older growth trees. Um, that's a healthy forest. Mm -hmm. There's diversity in the age class. Um, we see diversity in the what is the vertical structure of the trees. There's older trees, there's younger trees. And even horizontally, like you have your interior core of your forest. And then on the outside edges, you might have some younger trees that feather into like grasslands or shrublands. Uh, you had briefly mentioned about the invasives. Uh, the deer browse, if it's very strong, they tend to prefer, even though they like to eat everything. Mm -hmm. We know that. <laughs> they, they do prefer the native plants that typically have more sugar content mm -hmm. um, or more nutrition. And what's left behind are the invasives. Things like oriental bittersweet, um, the honeysuckles, mm -hmm. the, the burning bush. Um, they tend to, or, or Japanese barberries, another one, which also harbors ticks for mm -hmm. Lyme disease, okay. um, are left behind. And when there's disturbance in the soil, those are the new plants that take over. And they tend to shade out the understory and the seedlings. So you had mentioned uh, deer fencing mm -hmm. or using tubes to actually protect saplings. So today when we walked the lot, we looked at some different areas of poor forest health and possible clearing of some of the trees mm -hmm. and then replanting. Um, but you have to provide future management to those trees. There has to be maintenance is what we mm -hmm. call it. Um, and a plan like, okay, if we're going to plant trees, typically looking at a 50% mortality of seedlings naturally, um, but also to protect them from the deer by using either a deer fence mm -hmm. or other methods to get those, those saplings to take over to a certain height. Deer, you were talking before, kind of like the forest, the new growth forest public enemy number one because of the over browsing. And as we walked by one area, I did point out where I have a trail camera and there's there'll be 12 deer coming through there every morning. And they're just you talked about seven, seven pounds of green, green vegetation a day between seven to eight pounds of green vegetation per day per deer. Um, the deer densities are very high in certain regions in New York State. Yeah. It's not everywhere, but where they're present, um, they are overgrazing. So my eye is trained, mm -hmm. and I, I'm, I'm looking for other people to see that. When you walk through the forest and you're in the understory, I don't see the regeneration when there are natural clearings. Mm -hmm. 
I'm not seeing it on the forest edge. And I see basically a sterile environment. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's, it's, it, it makes my spidey sense go off. Yeah, right. And I think a lot of the conservationists and hunters out there, they do see that also. Um, and when you have the fragmentation of parcels, 70% of the forested area in New York State is owned by roughly 700,000 right. people. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a need, there's a really need to have that management because the state isn't coming in and managing those parcels. And when you look at things holistically mm-hmm. on large scale for promoting wildlife, healthy forest for, it doesn't matter if it's for timber harvesting or if it's for biodiversity, there is a need to develop healthy forests. Right. We, we do come in as volunteers mm-hmm. and we ask those hard questions and point out things you can do. So when, when, so moving forward with, with our property, um, we're going to reach out to a next step is to reach out to a, uh, DEC, um, forester to have them possibly develop a plan. And that's all, that's free as well. If they have time, they're, they're, they're spread pretty thin. Um, and then they can develop a manage a written management plan for us or with us based on our goals that we, we create. Yeah, it's, it's um, highly recommended. And the Master Forest Owner Volunteer Program, it's a nice layer. We, we come in, we visit the woodlot owner, we pose questions, we provide resources, and that helps folks like you mm-hmm. here at the Rod and Gun Club to have more informed questions mm-hmm. and kind of formulate a better plan. So when you do contact the regional forester, in each region, there's a handful of foresters that will come out and provide a written forest management program. And the state and the conservation part of the state is they're also really concerned about healthy forests too. Mm -hmm. So that's why they provide the service. And then the end result is when you have that visit with the state forester, you're really now armed and ready to have the Mm -hmm. tools needed if you have a logging outfit come to your property so that your wishes and desires are executed mm-hmm. and that your property is left in a healthy state. Right. And not it's not taken advantage of and the, the rewards are reaped and then you're left with, oh, geez, this, this wasn't a good idea. Right. We were taken advantage of. We, we went into this with more informed decision and really protected our investment for the future. Yeah, the the walk we took today was very informative, and 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 not only that, if, if we don't go the forester route, um, you, I mean, just just meeting with you, you gave us tools um, to use. Now, does every master forester can they provide those those smaller tools like so, uh, crop? Uh, what was the name? Yeah, so a lot of the master forest owners. Um, will have slightly different skill sets. Mm-hmm. I am the regional director for the Eastern Adirondacks in the capital region. Um, there's in each county, there's about anywhere from two to six, sometimes eight master forest owners. Mm-hmm. So when people make a phone call to my office, there's an online form. You go to master forest owner volunteers mm-hmm. or now you put it in there. You'll go to the website and you can make a request online. Yes. And then it kicks back to me and I'll be, and I'm like, okay, so I have a piece of property in Rensselaer. I'll read the description of their goals that they might want. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's for hunting. Maybe it's for, they want to do a timber sale. I try to find a master forest owner in the region that has that skill set, and I match them up with the landowner. So in that way, it's kind of unique. 
Um, and we do have master forest owner volunteers that are female. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have males, uh, different walks of life and different professions. And we try to match them up as best we can based on their, their needs to, okay. to make that connection. We did talk about crop tree management today, and that's where you harvest the competing trees that are of a weaker stature mm-hmm. to release the healthier trees. Yeah. And, and so sometimes those tools are a little bit more commonplace among mm-hmm. all the master forest owners, okay. but some of them have their little specialties or their niches. Great. Um, so uh, I, th- I think uh, th- th- this has been a great visit today. Um, I learned a lot. You pointed out different species of trees um, from what we could tell with no, no canopy, the trees are there. Uh, one neat thing was you pointed out those invasives were already coming in. Leaves were already peeking out. And like you said, sucking up the nutrients early before the other things could. So that was neat. The honeysuckle was, the the, the leaves were coming out and everything. Um, uh, But moving forward, I'm really excited to to take that next step and reach out to uh, our Region 4, uh, Rensselaer County um, Forester, and to see if we could get into a plan. And uh, we did you gave us a value of one of those trees. Like if you were truly going to harvest for money, um, what was that tree again? It was, uh, so we looked at, um, a white Oak. Yeah. Um, it was in saw timber range. It was about 15 inches in diameter. It, it had roughly two logs, what they call two 16 foot sections. And, you know, we looked at the price on that. So we estimate around, you know, 200 some odd board feet. And then we looked at what is called the stumpage report. Mm-hmm. And quarterly, this stumpage report comes out. It's like futures in oil or commodities, and they have estimated values based on supply and demand. And we looked at it, and it's you roughly need 200, you need a thousand board feet of white oak to fetch about $250. So right. <laughs> at least five trees of that stature to even think about reaping a benefit. Right. And then on top of that, if you hire a logger, they're going to take a, the largest percentage of that, and you're right. left with a smaller partner contract. And, and you did the the long work of growing the tree, and, and that's the, I mean, that's the reality is that we spend you spend all this time growing the tree, and then you're going to get the smaller percentage when it goes to get harvested. Um, but like I said, our goal was to have a net zero. So down the road, if we do hire a, a logger to come in um, to execute our plan. And like you said, to make sure you have a contract um, well-written so they know what they're allowed to take. And then there's accountability if they take too much or the wrong thing. Um, But we do have a pine grove that we might be considering opening up to get that succession to, as you mentioned, that feather edge to go from that forest, that healthy forest to field and create that that succession we talk about that in hunter ed succession it's a big it's a, a word on the test so when we teach hunter ed um, succession is a big portion of you know healthy forests and arrangement yeah so adam it was really nice coming in today and uh, to be able to like show w- the property and I, I had spoke to you about like looking at the property in terms of parcels mm-hmm. or individual stands and identifying them and then assessing a little bit like, well, how did the trees look? Are, are they healthy? Are they growing well? Or is there overstocked and there's too many trees? And would this be our, you have to like look at, all right, what are my resources? How limited are they? How much time do we have? And what's practical in mm-hmm. terms of management? Yep. And maybe protecting what's really healthy mm-hmm. and at the same time trying to address what's 
could be a potential disaster in the future. Right. And, and addressing those areas. And I think there's a couple invasives we, we're going to actually go after and uh, certain times of year too. Uh, so I'm going to include the, the links to the Cornell application for the Master Forest Owners Program. Um, is there any final thought or anything you want to leave us or the listeners with? Uh, yeah, um, I think when it comes to woodlot management, whatever your goals or objectives is, number one, really know what you want your property, mm-hmm. your woodlot to look like in the future. Okay. You know, it, it's really important that we're doing the right thing for now mm-hmm. and also for the future. And, you know, some of the mistakes that are made, if you don't think them through, can last more than a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to be, you know, really thinking about the future, not just the now, yeah. but the future of what your forest would look like or what you want it to look like. So, but Adam, thank you. Chris, Christopher, thank you so much. It's, it's been eye-opening. I'm, I'm excited and I'm looking forward to this. It's, it's going to be fun. Well, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, as always, you can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and Podcast Addict, as well as Google Play Podcast. Um, just a, another note, uh, June 13th, we're going to have the first Sportsman's Rendezvous here at Bailey Mountain Fishing Game Club. Uh, there's going to be places, to, things to learn, uh, things to trade, buy, sell. If you have stuff to sell, you can sign up. And as uh, if you want more information, Facebook is the best venue or our website uh, at bmgfc.org. Uh, All right. Thank you. And thanks for listening. <laughs>